0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited with my amazing wife, Dr. Sonia Jensen. Uh, on this podcast we talk a ton about hormone health and balance and relationships and vitality. and there's so many conversations that come out of that and there's so much that we learn about each other in these discussions too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just before we got on, you were like we were having a little bit of a discussion and you had mentioned that maybe we can resolve what that discussion was about. Through this conversation and i think that happens often on these mondays
0: so what like what do you think about that what do you mean? well just re- regarding like resolving stuff because this is sometimes mm-hmm. time for us to just connect yeah. on on issues that come up in or challenges that come up in our relationship yeah that, that hopefully are a lot of you that are tuning in also experience maybe with your partner
1: yeah well i've noticed anytime we make a commitment to teach something our own stuff will come up, whether that's as an individual or as a couple, because I think the only way to teach something is to live it it. yourself and go through it yourself. So I think examples come up during our days, especially these mornings when we're recording um, these videos or podcasts and things so that we have examples to share and have more empathy, I think, for one another when we're moving through um, these challenges
0: yeah so she basically said she didn't like my energy on mondays when we record she finds that i'm too buzzy and uh whatever to my defense or what have you i'm just trying to get the the appropriate sort of organization so that we can deliver content that that makes sense and because this is a complicated topic and so she didn't like my vibes this morning and she found it frustrating and so this is life right it's like it's funny because there's little things in life, especially in a relationship, where it can just be irritating for the other person because maybe one person isn't showing up being fully present uh, and there's a, there's an opinion from the, uh, the other uh, vantage point. And these are all part of the whole hormonal <laughs> messaging systems that are there. And so, you know, maybe my reaction is to go into defense, like, what What are you talking about? I don't see what you see. And hers is like, "Look, clearly, like, you're acting different than, than how you could be.
1: Well, it goes back to one of our other podcasts that we did around how women and men's brains work a little bit differently.
0: Yeah.
1: And so what I had mentioned in our conversation today was that maybe you need to future project a little bit more um, because we talked about how for the male brain, it's very one track, like you're in one hemisphere at a time and it's thinking about this moment, this action, taking something to completion right now. Whereas for a female brain, we're looking at all the different elements. So I was already thinking about what summer would look like with the kids being at home um, back in the spring. And so not making commitments, not making sure that, you know, schedule was a little bit more clear because it creates more stress in the family when we're trying to navigate work and trying to navigate doing all these things and having the kids at home. Whereas um, I don't think your mind went there. So my frustration this morning was like maybe it needs to go there a bit more and maybe you just need to listen to me.
0: <laughs> Hopefully that's the message. That so that's the message for, for all you women and men out there, yeah. uh, in relationship. Uh, anyways, uh, if you enjoy the banter, maybe <laughs> the conversations, the challenges that we go through that we share, and share it through the lens of the hormonal system. Please like, subscribe and continue on this journey with us because it's a fascinating one and we're always learning from one another and learning from the comments. Which brings us to uh, one of the topics we wanna talk about uh, with the podcast today. We wanna talk about some of the conversation around uh, this whole idea of progesterone and different phases in a woman's cycle and what can be a challenge for, for women and for their partners. So we did this post, and we talked about this post on the last podcast, but we did this post that talked about the four phases of uh, a woman's cycle. This is two podcasts ago, mm. I think. And, uh, and it's gotten a lot of traction. I mean, mm. it's gotten over 500,000 people's eyeballs on it. It's been shared almost like
1: 20,000
0: 20, times. times, something like that. So it's getting out to a ton of people. And it's because a message is resonating. And there was some comments that, that came up in the conversation that, that you hear all the time in, in clinic and I hear all the time that were really uh, related to just the challenge of this phase of this progesterone depletion phase or this phase also known as the luteal phase. So I want to read off a couple of the comments um, and then get some of your feedback on them. And then we're going to talk about one that was a little bit more uh, I don't know, controversial if you want to say. Um, So, here's a couple comments, Uh, I feel like I'm only saying one week a month, it's just cruel that the luteal phase is the longest, I'm sorry, this is is one for all the the partners out there, I'm so sorry for my man, I genuinely hate this for him,
1: Mm -hmm. in the
0: sense that like that phase of the cycle, she just feels so less like herself or Mm -hmm. how she wants to feel, and she's feeling very sorry for her man, Mm -hmm. very sweet. And also tragic, right? Uh, and then uh, another one here that picked out this is me all over. But the problem is when the man is not understanding you, so it creates conflict. So, what do you think about some of those comments? Because I mean, this is a tremendous amount of people that are resonating with the message that we're sharing, yeah. and that are, and so many women are stuck in this. Uh, reality maybe where they don't feel like they can share how challenging this phase is how they feel less than themselves they want to feel better they want to do something about it but and, and many people commented that they feel like this most of the month
1: yeah like they feel really stuck yeah because there isn't conversation around it there's an education around these things that are happening throughout the month and why it's happening, but instead it's just been normalized that you just don't feel good or we need to fear this part of our cycle because we're not gonna feel like ourselves, we're gonna maybe feel more anxious, more depressed, be in pain, feel swollen, like all these things show up in that latter phase that we're talking about when progesterone is low and when there's no conversation about it, women just feel like they just have to stick it out and not realize that's actually not normal that the symptoms that they're feeling there is a solution to it and the body's just telling them that there's some miscommunication with their hormones or there's depletion in certain hormones that we need to fix. So once we create awareness around that, and I think what it does, it helps women feel not alone. They realize that, okay, I'm not in this by myself, so these comments that like, I only feel good one week out of the month, I'm going to assume that's probably the follicular phase when estrogen is high, so the hormones are a little bit higher, so you feel a little bit more vital, and we talked about that in that phases um, podcast, and as soon as ovulation hits, it feels like that's it, because now the hormones are declining. And if we don't have enough progesterone, and we mentioned last week how if we're under stress, we're in progesterone depletion all the time. So then it doesn't get to spike in that latter half, and that's where all these symptoms show up. So it's very common, I, I would say common, not normal, to mm-hmm. have these symptoms. And that comment about you know the counterpart not understanding, yeah. that's what creates a lot of friction because then it's hard to communicate what's going on in the body because it's even hard to articulate why it's happening, what's happening, why I'm saying the things I'm saying, or why I don't feel like myself and I don't want to do the things that maybe he wants to do. And it's really hard to articulate all that because for you, like, you don't have that experience in your body and your cycles are so different. So it's hard to sometimes connect. But with these conversations, I think if more men are listening, and watching what's you know what we're talking about, then they can have that understanding of okay, how can I support my partner so that there's just more ease in communication?
0: yeah, it kind of blows me away because you, as a man, um, I have no idea about this mm-hmm. and and it, I'm only like obviously learning through through the patients we work with, but also through you, and you are articulating it so beautifully. but it, I imagine it must be something that you you know you've you've looked at your calendar before to see. Oh shoot, I'm going to be on my period when we're traveling mm-hmm. and this is really frustrating. Like these are things like talking about future projecting, we just don't have to do that. We're, mm-hmm. we're like I'll just show up on that day and, you know, I'll just I'll just mm-hmm. be there and it'll be what it is. Maybe I'll have a crappy sleep and that might affect my energy for the day or maybe there'll be questionable food on the airplane and then, you know, I'll probably fast longer or whatever it is but I'm not really thinking about how my hormones are going to time with an event that's coming down the road. So imagine, you know, just we talked about the, the stress response with progesterone depletion as a result of all these different things. Um, imagine just thinking about the period in the following month. Like these are things that, that women think about all the time. Yeah. And so that, that's a mm-hmm. stress just like future realizing, Oh shoot,
1: mm-hmm. I'm going to be
0: in the same situation a month from now. My goodness, this is terrible.
1: Yeah, and also realizing when you start to learn about your phases too, like for example, when I have talks or if I'm going on a podcast or... I need to write my book or all these things, like realizing, oh gosh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be doing that the week before my period, my energy's not gonna be high, I'm not gonna have the same creativity. Like That does create some stress, but when we can learn tools to support ourselves throughout that month, so that that week doesn't feel so intense, but instead we feel grounded and can access the gift of that week, then mm-hmm. I think we can turn things
0: over. Yeah, yeah. because you know, as you said before, it, it seems to be the norm, but it doesn't mean it's normal. Yes. Uh, And there's a normalcy to sort of incubating or going more inside in that phase which which would be considered normal Mm
1: -hmm. right that's the desire of the body and the hormones like progesterone wants you to rest like progesterone wants you to be more internal so that you can nurture yourself but what that nurturing looks like can shift so that you still feel nurtured and grounded and not depleting your nervous system and not accessing cortisol more than you need to. So I think just learning how to tweak your daily routines, how you eat, how the supplements you take, all that stuff will support mm-hmm. more balance then. Yeah. And when we talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that again sure. too. Yeah.
0: So that just sort of sets up this next comment, which like I said, there's one that's a little more maybe controversial if you, if you would, but it was speaking to again, this phase, uh, of the woman's cycle, so this luteal phase, and, and so the comment is this, haven't we moved past thinking that women can't be trusted with important decisions when we're PMSing? So, that's the question. You wrote something in the dialogue of the, of the post that was like, hey, we don't make big decisions here in the week before, period. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your intention of writing that? Yeah. And then, like, we can't assume that we know where this person is coming from, but Maybe tell I me your first, where first she's thoughts. From. Okay. Yeah. So maybe write, like talk a little bit about big decisions before your period. Yeah.
1: So I say that often. I also have like a quote like, "Ladies, we just don't make big decisions a week before our period, because when our um, nervous system isn't aligned, when we're not feeling grounded, and like in that video when I was feeling irritated just by you chewing and slurping on your straw, everything feels bigger." So anything that you do that may, you know, irritate me a little bit in my follicular phase, on that phase, it's really big. So if there's an argument with your partner or if there's a decision about your career or if there's, um, you know, challenges with your children or any of that, like everything's just a bit more heightened in our brain at that time. So making decisions about who your partner is, in regards to like what your identity is in that time, like, oh, he's just somebody that doesn't do anything for me or that, like yeah, these yeah. things show up in our minds because we're not feeling balanced or I'm so overwhelmed, I can't handle this work, I can't handle my kids like this or any of that is showing up because the body and mind are in overwhelm. So making you know decisions to end relationships or making decisions to cut your hair a certain way or, you know, just shift things, it's harder to do in that time. So the intention was to like pause during that week before making any decisions that will shift, you know, like I think a woman wrote back to that comment, it's more like, you know, maybe don't cut your bangs that week, Mm. wait a week to decide if you're gonna cut your bangs. And it's not about nuclear, not being having access to nuclear codes, because I think where she's coming from is that many women are denied um, certain positions in their career, or you know the term like you know women are just emotional, so can't be in certain um, career settings or whatever it is. And so that that is what I think she is saying that we are we've moved past that, that women can be in these. Um, opportunities or in these positions and actually make amazing decisions. Because like we talked about in the beginning, we can access the future in a certain way. We can our minds can be in different places at once. So that's why a lot of CEOs like women CEOs do so well Mm -hmm. because they're able to access that and because of our hormones, we're able to do well. So I see where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. So my comment around don't make big decisions around that was really more of like, Creating awareness that we do need to pause before we make decisions about who we are or who somebody else is.
0: Yeah, because it's easier to just get into a reaction phase, yeah. right? Yeah. and that could be just very likely. Progesterone's low. Yeah, we're converting into cortisol. We're in that fight or flight state. Mm-hmm. We're in that stress response. We're probably gonna make decisions in that phase that are, or women will probably make decisions in that phase that are more reactive typically if they haven't given themselves. Yeah, space even to with pause. food.
1: Like before sure. that, the decisions we make around food might be more nourishing. Whereas there, because we're feeling overwhelmed or feeling bloated, we're not feeling like ourselves. You might access, you know, those unhealthy carbs more often.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was interesting because this, to me, again, me being not uh, a woman, <laughs> I couldn't know this. And so mm-hmm. when when I saw that writing, I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was such in such a dialogue, it was so accepted universally that, oh, that's old news almost, like it's now irrelevant. But I think it's so relevant because of the amount of people that were responding of how crappy they feel, and they feel less than, and they don't feel as connected to that you know uh space of that parasympathetic state that deep relaxation of like being able to truly listen to their body in that in that phase so I, that's what i w- was hoping that, that that this person was going to elaborate on like where are you actually coming from like what do you actually mean by that and are are we are we did the post come across as belittling women women can't make decisions you can't trust them like that really wasn't the intention of the post at all And so if that particular individual, if anyone saw that and and felt it that way, obviously, that's not where we're coming from. And it was really just coming from that space of knowing that because the hormones are different, you may show up differently. Mm -hmm. You may require a little bit more time to just really reflect and be more internal.
1: Yeah, like our days, our lives aren't set around our cycle, unfortunately. Yeah. And so it is harder to navigate things, but the more we understand them, then we can make little decisions that help support us.
0: Yeah. And I think for men, I mean, if you're in a relationship, you should know this about your... You should want to know. You should try to get to know, because I think a lot of times there can be such... Unfortunate miscommunication that leads to really stupid fights. Really.
1: Well, I often say to you, this isn't about you. Yeah. Right. Because you know, I think it's like your favorite line.
0: <laughs> this isn't about you. Because like, yeah, like I you... think
1: that's what happens right away. It's like yeah. you see a reaction from your partner. So maybe she's like feeling again just really bloated in that moment, not feeling you know pretty and sexy and just any of that, just not feeling good in her body. And she looks over and I see you looking at me a certain way. I get self-conscious and I'm talking about myself now. I keep saying she, so like I, I feel self-conscious. So maybe I may react to it. It's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. It's just how I'm feeling in myself in that moment.
0: Yeah. It's not like this friend that, you know, that <laughs> it's a that's friend that I know reacts a certain oh, way. Oh yeah. This no, it's really me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's not about you, mm-hmm. right? We talked a little bit about this. Some on of the other podcasts wrote, don't bite the bait, you know, as men, you know, and me seeing you in a state where you're challenged, I, I want to help. I want, yeah. like, how, how can I help you? Like, what, what do you need from me right now? Um, and maybe as a man, we might go like, look, like your behavior, your behavior is really challenging me right now. I don't I don't want to feel this way. I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable inside my body. How do we shift you so that I feel better? And I think that's part of what you see. You like see, you're just trying to not feel uncomfortable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so it was stuff to work through, right? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about um, PMS, you know, and, and really that, that tagline that's given to that luteal phase. So mm-hmm. premenstrual syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, like how do you define it? And it is different for different women, you yeah. know, and what might show up, but talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So one, I, I, I want to reiterate again that it's not normal mm-hmm. to have these symptoms. There are signs of something deeper that's going on, maybe a deficiency or just something else. Um, so PMS, there's four different types. There's, that's been labeled. PMS A is more, um, anxiety prone. PMS D more, um, depression prone. PMS C when women have cravings and then H is where there's water retention. So that bloating that I was commenting on. So often what's happening is after ovulation as the hormones are declining, that your estrogen's declining, progesterone's still pretty low. And then you know, the week before your progesterone's supposed to rise, but when that doesn't happen, it's not going up because of the various reasons we talked about last week. Then these symptoms start to show up, whether that's um, breast tenderness, um, the mood swings. Some women stay sad and move from like sad to anxiety or irritability, frustration, even rage and anger can show up. So there's a lot of changes in the mood. And then there's also changes in our behavior in regards to, like, cravings and food intake. Often women are craving um, unhealthy carbs because it's bringing some level of comfort. So that's happening. Um, So for some women, their sleep cycle also shifts. There's more insomnia right before the period, too, like about a week before. Um, There's also challenges in the immune system. Some women will feel that their immune system is lower, so they're catching colds a bit faster during that time. Some women have migraines a week before, um, migraines, headaches, aches and pains, just more tendency towards um, being clumsy. I did a um, post on this a little while ago. It's like just not catching things like you would before or like you're losing your grip. Like there's all these like little things that show up that maybe weren't there two weeks before just because the hormones have changed now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so is that something that gets worse over time? Is it is it different at different phases in your life?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on um, lifestyle, what your hormones are doing. So like in your 20s, I think things get masked just a little bit more. Like one, your focus really isn't on the body. Mm -hmm. It's more external. So you're not really focusing on your hormones. A lot of women are on birth control often in their 20s. And it's usually um, when women come off their birth control or ready to maybe get pregnant and really tuning into their bodies about their hormones, it's to start to realize, oh, I do feel different during that time. Or if it's like really, really bad, and then it turns into PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, that's where all of those symptoms are just more extreme. And it's stopping you in your tracks where like you can't go to work or school or do life that's usually when um, there's more investigation that happens so some women aren't really aware that it's happening um, before until it's like really really big some women will vomit and get really sick and like nauseous so when these things are happening often women are going to their doctors and saying like this is happening to me every month like something feels wrong but the only solution they're given is the birth control pill
0: or pain medication or pain
1: medication so or an antidepressant you know so this is where the challenge is when there isn't an understanding around that hormone progesterone and how it's changing that there are different solutions to it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's wild I mean just to think that you know it takes maybe decades to really start to appreciate this it's maybe subtle at first and, and then it's masked by yeah. birth control, and, and it's other,
1: really highlighted in perimenopause. Like you right. can't ignore it anymore. Right, right. You right. could ignore it up to probably forty. Um, I would say thirty-five is really when it starts to get highlighted. But after that, you can't ignore the different things that are yeah. happening.
0: And yet you can't ignore it. And yet it's still being maybe distracted with mm-hmm. an antidepressant, pain medication, birth control, all the other For things. For sure. Yeah. And so that's just uh, you're, you're just being managed as opposed to, as we say, like going upstream to figure out. How yeah, like why?
1: Why it? is this happening?
0: Right. Or looking even
1: just a little bit deeper. Like often women will show up and I'll ask questions like, well, did you get any imaging done? Was there any differential diagnosis around cysts or fibroids or even endometriosis. Like endometriosis, women feel a lot of pain mm-hmm. and they will often say no. Not not all of them,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: often they'll say, no, they just told me to take pain medication or breast control.
0: Yeah, and there's different yeah. degrees of this. Like yeah. you're talking about some more extreme examples. I mean, I have patients too that literally preemptively go to the ER to get a, a pain injection because they mm-hmm. know how brutal it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Or that's been the case and then they, they have to again speaking of future projecting knowing that you it might be so severe that you have to go and get an injection at the hospital to, to deal with the pain so you can mm-hmm. actually sleep at night like these are these are huge mm-hmm. and so this isn't this isn't all women yeah. but it happens to enough
1: yeah
0: and, and like you said it can be subtle because maybe we're disconnected or there's being masked by medications et cetera but eventually your body will speak loud enough, do you have to do something about it, mm-hmm. right? Any patient stories that you want to share? I mean, that was a sort of a quick one I just shared about someone having mm-hmm. to go and get pain injection, but... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'll things. share
1: one. Um, she's in her 20s, um, a student, and came to me mainly, like she just said, I have PMS. Like, she was very aware that every month, um, her outlook around her boyfriend, around herself, around life, like she was feeling just really anxious, too depressed, like these ups and downs with... Um, with mood swings and i am starting to notice because there is more information around like tracking cycles and different apps so a lot of young women are starting to tune in when they're not on birth control that something something is off so she came to me just you know wanting some simple solutions and when it comes to lifestyle and again depending on which decade you're in it it can be hard to shift things. So as a student, you're staying up late, you're not eating well, you're living on campus, like there's all these different elements, you're partying on the weekends, all these things. So it's hard to kind of start from that lifestyle perspective in a big way because it's gonna challenge then create more overwhelm. Right. So what we did was we just created some like simple things, some simple changes, just started giving her magnesium started working on like breathing exercises, started adding some healthy foods like fibers and things to help support her digestion, just like really simple behaviors. And then the next month was just a little bit easier. And then the following month was even more. But what happened in that process is she started to learn that, oh, I do have power over this. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to control me. The more I change, the easier it becomes to manage. The more I like, look at how stressed I am and make some changes, the, the more I sleep, like all these like little things. And she started to notice, oh, I can actually change this. And then just that was huge. Mm-hmm. Because then she didn't feel a victim to her body and her period and she wasn't afraid of it anymore.
0: Yeah, well, that that, and that leads us into this last part of the, the, the conversation, which is really like what to do about it. Mm-hmm. So you broke down a few things that were really important for women and also recognizing you have to meet someone where they are. Like So yeah. she this is someone who's still in college and has a completely different lifestyle than, say, someone who's in career and you know, maybe with kids and other things. But... Um, so let's say like we move the conversation into and purely okay, the, here's, here's this reality of PMS. PMS isn't necessarily something you have to manage, for some women it's, it's just part of life and it just rolls along quite easily or maybe there's disconnect. But essentially let's say someone is really struggling they're feeling you know all these things that are going on in the body maybe from migraines to bloating to fatigue to irritability or depression to cravings to whatever like, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you start with all that?
1: Yeah so first um, I get women to track all of that like just start noticing like when is it showing up because when we can know that we know which hormone is probably um, getting manipulated. And testing, like we'll always test them to see like where their progesterone's at, where their estrogen is at.
0: And So why is testing so important?
1: So then you understand, is it actually low progesterone? Yeah. So we assume right away it's low progesterone, but sometimes progesterone's totally fine. It's actually estrogen that's low. Right. So there's different things at play here. Maybe it's their cortisol is so high and that's what's depleting it. So if I can right. see it's because of the cortisol, then we know what we have to manage is their nervous system and support them there more so than the other, Of just giving somebody progesterone. Yeah. So if we test, we can see if it's low progesterone, then maybe, you know, just for symptomatic relief, we do some bioidentical progesterone or we use herbs like chastry to help increase that LH and that progesterone levels increase the B6, increase the zinc, like we know what elements will support progesterone, like raising progesterone, but then if we're not managing the cortisol at the same time, none of this really matters. Yeah. Cause all getting converted into that cortisol anyways. Yeah. So the testing helps us there. And then I encourage them mm. to go get imaging done too, to rule things out. Mm. Cause if there's pain on ovulation, for example, and then that pain is like getting even worse as they're reaching um, their phase four, like their period, then I want to see, are there cysts there? Are there are there fibroids? Are there polyps? Like is there endometriosis? If the pain is lasting for that long, maybe there is some endometrial tissue around the, the gut because often the gut issues are also involved.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, weight years later was so important because I think a lot of people just go like, well, what's the strategy? Like what, what's the treatment? Yeah. And you're bringing it back to, you gotta know yourself, like know yeah. thyself. That's the best form of self care. That's your, that's your yeah. quote, right? So you, you're tracking, you're getting all this information, you get this data, maybe you extrapolate over one month, two months, three months, maybe even just thinking about what it, things have been like back in time. And then you're, then you're actually getting some specific individualized assessment for your unique hormonal system. And you're talking about a urine test. Yeah, specifically, the Dutch test, right? yeah,
1: specifically. And then what we we haven't talked really about yet is that pms is also connected to the digestive system Mm -hmm. so women will notice that their bowels will start to change leading up to their periods like some women have diarrhea leading up to it or just loose stools or just cramping in their digestion so we've noticed that if your digestion is healthy throughout the month it's often easier to transition into your period too and the cramping is less Mm -hmm. so then we're working on digestion as well if we know through the testing your estrogen's really high, like you're actually in estrogen dominance, we know you need to take things like DIM or i c or calcium deglucurate to help support detoxification. Mm-hmm. If we know it's the digestive system that's off, there's certain probiotics that will help your estrobolum, which are the little um, bacteria in your gut that support detoxification of those estrogens. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different angles that we can come from when we're supporting you know, something as simple in quotation marks as mm. PMS, but we have to know you in order to understand what, what you need, what your body needs.
0: Yeah, and, and so, I mean, something you've shared with me too is that if you know that over the last few weeks you've been having a little bit more dairy or a little bit more mm-hmm. grains or even more animal products in general, you've you've correlated that sometimes, like there's a sweet spot, it seems to be, where you can have a little bit, but you know that when you go beyond a threshold, things can feel a little more challenging once you get yeah, into it. Yeah, your, I
1: can so. predict it. I'm like, this is not gonna be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Here it comes. Your
0: son, Soren, is like getting yeah. you to eat with him and, yeah. and indulge in the foods that he loves. And
1: Yeah, and yeah. my body doesn't like red meat.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's super important. So we started off with assessment, getting very specific on what's uniquely shown up for you. We talked about the Dutch test or the urine test as a measurement, because it's great. You can look at cortisol fluctuations, like your diet it's called your diurnal variation. Mm-hmm. Your, your fluctuations how cortisol rises or falls throughout the day, mm-hmm. um, all the way down to how all our hormones are metabolized in, uh, yeah. through gut health and detox and yeah. whatnot. So. And the
1: other thing that I talk to a lot of my patients about, if there is a reoccurring theme that's coming up in regards to their mood or thoughts that are showing up in that last um, half, like that luteal phase, if there's a pattern to it, it's your body's way of telling you there's something that you're still stuck in. Mm. Like what is it that you haven't healed yet that's coming up every month? So the more we look at our cycle as an opportunity to heal, the more we realize, okay, all of these like symptoms are really our body's way to first whisper and then maybe start yelling at us that there's something that we haven't healed yet. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a belief that we have about ourselves or maybe it's like old trauma that's still sitting there. So if we can also be curious about that and understand, okay, this, there's this one thing that I'm always getting irritated about, maybe it's with our partner, there's one thing that he does that really irritates me, but I'm not actually speaking to it mm-hmm. during those other times, maybe it can stir up some conversation between couples too.
0: Yeah. Is there something you want to tell me?
1: I think I told you this morning, <laughs> that, that Monday madness, I just I don't like it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So now anything specific you want to get into a diet, diet variation or anything like that? I mean, we kind of talked about, you know, how it's uniquely showing up for you, but any sort of general support yeah. tools nutritionally that you like to speak to?
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest deficiencies we see with um, pain, cramping, PMS is magnesium. So upping your magnesium levels is important from a nutritional standpoint. And then looking okay, what's going to deplete my magnesium? and looking at your food sensitivities. One of the um, general rules I have seen is dairy. Mm -hmm. Dairy is a big one. And if you're eating foods that are not organic because those foods will have hormones in them, injected in them, so that is going to influence um, your PMS.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Okay. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting to see if there's anything else coming no Um, that's
1: it i think
0: yeah Yeah. i mean there's so much to say on these subjects of course and uh you know we're just grateful that that you're here tuning in with us and it means a lot to us that you're taking time to comment and and share these episodes and share these discussions because hopefully you -hmm. know just like we're learning from one another uh we're learning from you guys that are tuning in hopefully these are conversations maybe you can play with your partner you know put it on and like you guys can banter about what it is that you're experiencing, and please share with us. Like, would you would you learn about each other and, and tuning into a conversation like this? And what is what shows up for you guys? Right, it's it's helpful. It
1: helps us too when you're commenting or having conversations with each other around it because we know these things. So when I sometimes get comments or even DMs like, "Oh, I'm going through this," or "My child is going through this," I thought it was normal, and like we don't realize that you know it's still. Um, still relevant. It's yeah, like we we're like, well, of course it's not normal, but we we forget yeah. that not everybody has that awareness that, you know, cuz we get used to being a certain way. So we get used to that routine like a patient that goes to the ER every month it becomes a part of your routine. Yeah. Knowing, oh, I'm going to be craving these foods. I'm going to just eat that way that week. It becomes a part of the routine and even the identity. So the more aware we become, we start to realize these things aren't supposed to be like that that we could feel really good in our body and, and almost like look forward to our periods and look forward to that time because that luteal phase it's that time to like nestle with yourself and get to know yourself more and be more internal and be more creative and just like understand yourself better so you can look forward to that time instead of dreading it
0: yeah i love the reframe there i mean that's i think that's huge for for people to see that differently and not as like yeah. The nemesis of the month and yeah. and not to belittle how it is because yeah. again i'm on the outside looking in
1: and then if something yeah. happens you you can know why like for example this last week i was in my last week of my cycle and i should not have tried wakeboarding
0: <laughs> that's true I was,
1: my body was happy paddle boarding yeah. and i was like oh I'm, and i knew even when like i put it on or you helped me put it on i was like this isn't gonna happen like, I'm yeah. already tired. This isn't going to work. And yeah. it didn't work. Right. So it's a reminder for me of like, oh yeah, you know, I just got to listen to my body.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's brilliant. Okay, mm-hmm. so conversations like this and more, we have them in our Health Ignited Club, uh, which we meet every month to dive into these concepts in a group format. We get to, we, we do a teaching in the beginning and then we basically turn off the record button and just dive into conversations with the people that are part of the group. And it's so much fun. I mm-hmm. mean, again, talk about community building and learning from one another. So we'd love to have you as part of that. If you're tuning into these conversations, you're enjoying them, go to doctorsjensen.com and join our Health Ignited Club because uh, there's so much of this and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast.
1: Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together.
0: You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, DrsJensen.com.
1: Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice.
0: Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed.
1: Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom.
0: And welcome to the tribe.